Welcome to the Core Women Podcast. My name is Dr. Summer Watson. I'm a doctor of psychology, podcaster, published author, coach, producer of documentary empowerment films, and empowerment seminars. This podcast is a special place for the hearts and souls of women. It is a place where women share their journeys, strength, resiliency, strategy, and passions. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Tony Navy, who is a business strategist, speaker, and number one best-selling author. She runs a high-impact leadership training and business operation consulting company and is currently delivering pandemic consulting services. We have so much to chat about. Let's get right into this, Tony, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today, Summer. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's start off by talking a little bit about your personal background and journey and what might have inspired you to really go into the the direction of business. I would say for me, I wanted to become an attorney since I was a kid and I went, you know, came out to California, went to school and actually did a, an internship. It was really a job. Actually, I was a legal assistant at a law firm and realized, ah, Thank goodness I haven't gone to law school yet because I hate this. This is so horrible. So I spent most of my life wanting to actually do that. Then what it did was it made me say, okay, well, what with the legal background I do have from, you know, getting my undergrad degree, now what do I do? So I actually went into HR and then that's what helped me to just figure out all the different things in HR that you want to do. And it gave me the realization at one point that, oh, there's this thing that's called training. So as I'm training and as I'm learning to do that and training leaders across the nation and in Canada from an international's perspective, that's what made me realize that's what I loved about the legal profession. And so, um, you know, because I was watching Father Dowling and Perry Mason when I was a kid, staying up and sneaking in TV, you know, sneaking in some TV time at 11 o'clock at night. And it was the theatrics in the courtroom that I loved. So that's really, you know, I didn't figure that out until I started doing the whole area of HR and then really kind of, oh, training is a piece of this. Then I became an HR director. Uh, Then, you know, during the dot bomb era, right? The dot com, I got the HR directorship, took them from 50 employees, right under 50 to over 150 employees and consultants. And then we laid off everybody. And it was like, oh my gosh, I never want to have to do this again. So when I stepped out the first time after laying everybody off and then writing my own layoff (laughs) package, um, it made me say, okay, I need to reshift and figure out what I really want to do because this I know isn't it. There's aspects obviously of HR that I do um, like and enjoy, but I want to be valued more in the business than HR is and not to say anything that is for anyone that's still in HR, but you know how it is. They think, oh, it's just, it's just that, you know, you're onboarding someone. It's just, you know, the, you know, the harassment and all those things. And that's not really the value. It's really taking care of the human capital. So how do I actually do that? So I did some consulting. Then I took a VP of operations stint and that was with Myrtle Potter's companies, Myrtle Potter from Genentech. And uh, that was an international as well here. She had companies here in Florida and uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida and in the Bahamas. And then 2008 crash. So at that point it was like, okay, even if I'm consulting, even if I'm doing whatever, I need to figure out what's gonna work and not have my eggs all in one basket. Which is, even though I you know, did go out and do some consulting leadership stuff inside of the companies, The thing that made me say, I've always actually done some side things from an entrepreneur standpoint. I've always trained in the space of entrepreneurship as well as in the space of leadership, just because people need to know how to position themselves, how to talk about themselves, no matter whether you're an entrepreneur or not. 
But the shift for me to get online, the shift for me to say, okay, I this is what I really want my own company to be like, was after the whole 2008, 2009 crash, where at that time there were contracts that, you know, and, and I'm not alone, where everyone lost them if you were in corporate, just like right now with the pandemic. If you were doing leadership training all night long in corporate, who's the first people they're cutting? Now they're not even doing events, so everybody's stuff got cut, really. You know, everybody's sent home. Well, at that time, they were just cutting whoever needed to be cut because of the economic environment in regards to the banking industry. So we're still the first people to go. So I never wanted that to happen to me again, having all of my contracts in one space where that could overnight go away. So that's what made me diversify and say, okay, I'm going to really make sure I do some things uh, from a corporate standpoint, as well as for entrepreneurs, because if either one of those go down, I'm still going to be able to go and tap one or the other. The second thing I did was I actually made sure that my business started getting an online exp online exposure. And I still didn't even do it perfect 10 years ago. Um, I went after some of the wrong tools and now those tools don't even exist. So it looks like I don't even have a platform from 10 years ago when I had my video talk and talk, talk fusion and I had a TV station full of videos, but because they went under, and I, you know, at the time, YouTube, I mean, YouTube was around, but everybody was, it wasn't like YouTube was the biggest thing, you know, in 2007, eight, nine, it was right. there, but there were a lot of places competing. Who knew, you know, who knew YouTube right. was going to be the one, right? So my whole TV station, everything went down at once. So, so anyway, I say that to say that that was what made me make the shift of not out of, out of necessity of not wanting to have all my eggs in one basket and not wanting to have how I operate all in one focus. I don't want to just do offline marketing with people. I wanted to make sure I was on online and have an online presence. So I've been actually building that up over the years, even my training now, where people are scrambling now to put their trainings online. Well, I've been doing online training and have an online training platform I use where customers can access and I can deliver live and whether it's virtually, you know, now via a Zoom session, but they can still go behind the platform and connect with all of my, you know, trainings, the clips, the videos, the replays, the worksheets, the quizzes, and all those things. So this is what's given me my drive to where I am now. And now that I'm in both worlds, and now that I can live virtually and in um, offline and online, this has helped me to just be able to pivot and shift what I'm doing to be able to be relevant in today's marketplace. And that's where the pandemic consulting comes from. You just said so much. I know, right? <laughs> let's, let's unpack that. <laughs> in, in a short amount of time. So I'm going to take a couple of steps back here because I really think that we need to touch on a couple of things. So let's talk about your transition from young women making that shift to come out to California. Yeah. So where were you originally from? And did you have at the time somebody in your life kind of... Uh, mentoring and kind of guiding you or was this just like internal inspiration going yes this is what i want to do i want to move out to california i want to take this risk i want i have the courage and i'm going to do this tell me a little bit about that from a personal perspective sure i am from denver colorado and um so i we lived in aurora we lived in littleton when i was a kid we moved to aurora after my parents got divorced and um my thing was man i'm getting out of the house Either I'm going to the far East Coast or I'm going to the West Coast. So I looked at schools from the East Coast and on the West Coast because I'm like, I'm just getting out. I'm going to school. I need to rebuild and figure out what I want to do 
with my life, right? I don't want to be, you know, under the guise of my parents. Um, yeah. And at that time, of course, my mom. So that was really what fueled me. And then, you know, of course, being in Denver, you're dealing with snow and cold. And I was tired of slipping down the stairs, walking in snow, getting rain, you know, all the, the, bus, the bus going by, you know, you were still a kid, the bus going by and all the sleep getting onto you because oh. the bus kicked it up on the side of the road. So I'm like, you know what? I think I kind of like the California thing and no sun, there's no snow there. And if I want snow, I can go to Tahoe and visit it. How about that? So, so that that's what gave me the gumption. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have, you know, you have your people here or there that are saying, but I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm not waiting. I'm, I'm, I'm just that person that's going to go, that's motivated, that's going to try to figure it out. Because if someone's not telling me, I can research myself and I can figure it out on my own. And so I was like, I'm going to go. It's just a matter of where. Right. And how am I going to get the resources to do that? So you're applying right. scholarships, you're doing all the stuff that you need to do. My mom was a single mom, so it's not like she's going to be able to write that ticket. So I really just did all the legwork and, you know, that was, that was my, that was my thing of, I am going to make this happen so that I can um, be able to accomplish. And I think some of the driver too of me wanting to become an attorney also was after my parents got divorced. There was a lot of sticky stuff there that was like, you know what, if I was smart and I was an attorney, I could be in court and I could do this and I could do that and I could do these. You know what I mean? You have this yeah. thing in your mind where it's something you already love anyway. And now right. give me the, the ability to be able to control my life or at least you know, be able to make a difference and change some things in seeing what, you know, my mom went through and what has happened in the past and what's happened to a lot of women, you know, through the years in regards to getting divorced and, you know, the out of the state and now you have to do all these different things. And, and so um, I think some of that was a driver also. Absolutely, because you saw not just the, the emotional aspects, but you really clued into the legalities of that divorce as well from a young age. And you also mentioned so much here that I feel like you have just this innate ability and courage that when you see something that needs change or that you want to make change, you go for it. So you just have that gumption. You have that, let's go, let's do this, let's, let's make this happen kind of mentality. And that's something within you, a, a personal driver. So you are a strategy. Hey, thank you. <laughs> I, I try because it's like, you know what? Hey, if, if I don't go, I mean, even if I fail, I'm still went and 50%, if I got 50% of what, 100% of what I went after, that's great. But if I didn't go after anything, then I get 100% of nothing. So that is my thing. Go until, you know what, you figure it out, you know, so... Absolutely. I love that because if we didn't do some of that and we were to look back, we would be in the same place. So why not try and get a few steps further or maybe a whole lot of steps further? So good on you. And I think having been raised by a single mom myself, I get what you're saying about that. You're making your dreams come true. My mom went to some junior college. I don't know what your mom did, but I certainly was like, I've got to research this. I've got to figure this out. I've got to go and see if I can get scholarships, grants, what I can get to make that happen. Then I'm sure you did the same thing as you were researching where you wanted to go to make your dreams come true. Yep. But here's the thing. You've always been a strategist. So as you were talking and you were talking about really doing that pivot and that shift regarding human capital, understanding what that is, really getting that out there and really just strategizing, getting your online exposure, diversifying. You're so wise. 
because you're absolutely right. You can't have all those eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. I loved all that strategy that you've already presented about what you've done. You are a model for what you're doing today and for others. So let's get into, you already touched on what your interest in business was and kind of tapping into that whole law school idea and then doing that pivot into HR, knowing that it's not just inboarding people, but rather it's about the human being. It's about how are you working with this individual or this group? So let's talk about that pivot and how difficult was that for you to do, knowing that things had to change and you wanted to diversify. So HR to entrepreneur, it wasn't as difficult as you think, or at least at the time for me, it wasn't because I had just come out of being an HR director. Like I said, it was the dot-com dot-bomb era. So I laid off everybody else and I basically was laid off also or, and, and took my package. Uh, I ended up getting married at that time too. So I was married during that time frame or right before that time frame. Um, yes, because I've been married since 2002 and I had that job, I want to say in, in 2000 or 2001. And so um, then, you know, the layoff happened. Yeah, I think it was like 2000. So anyway, um, during that time frame, it was like, okay, I was married. My husband was in the fire service, city of San Jose. So there was a, a bit of a cushion in regards to, okay, gosh, everybody's looking for a job right now. Everybody's being laid off right now. There's so much going on in the industry. But I also recognized this. I've been in HR long enough to be able to see the hierarchy of human resources, hierarchy of the actual function. You can only make so much. And I'm like, I'm an HR director. You can only make so much. You're amount and and you'll be working for a gazillion hours so as i started looking at and getting a couple of contracts in hr it was like really i can make this much money out here and i'm only working this period of time versus you know working in there and then you know we have some of the stability of i'm you know married and so there's that actual also backup foundation it just made sense we had a young child it just made sense to okay you know what I can have more work-life balance. I can do a few different things here or there. And you know what? Let me go ahead and do this and make additional dollars um, and still doing some HR work and HR consulting. So that was a portion of the transition. But what I didn't know and what I took for granted was you really just became everyone when you go out and you're actually doing your own entrepreneurship. And if I had to do it different, I would do it different. It would be different because I didn't realize how much business development you have to do, how much of really presenting the solutions in a way that you're not just out there trying to customize everything for everybody, because that's just ridiculous and it's just horrifying. Um, it's a taxing, it, I know, I know I said horrifying because I really meant it. That's how it felt, God dang it. That's how it felt to me. <laughs> this crap over here, really? And you got to deal with all these different personalities. At least when you're in an organization, you're, you kind of learn the waves. You kind of have to, you have to deal with these people. So you got to figure out a way of working with them. But then as you're delivering, you're delivering in, in, a, in an overarching structure that's the same quote unquote, right? Because you're in one company. Versus when you're dealing with consulting to multiple different organizations, you're dealing with new personalities. Not that we all don't have to deal with new and different personalities. I'm talking about not just the personality of an individual. I'm talking about the personality and attitude and persona of a company. 
right? Here's how they do business. Here's how these people do business. Even if you're providing the same solution, you still have to tweak who you are, how you sell, how you connect with them, how you position those solutions. So you just became a true marketing and salesperson, really not an HR consultant. And I didn't know that. And yeah. I wished I had. And so um, I also, when I decided to go back in and I took the VP of operations role, I took that because one, for one thing, I was still going to consult. And I actually consulted with Myrtle Potter and her companies before I became an employee of their, uh, their firm and actually, you know, took that role to do the operations. But I was consulting with them. And what I, what I really recognized is, is I didn't want to customize everything. And I wanted to be able to establish some, some repeatable solutions. And that's from my own systems background. But if I were going to go back in, it needed to be the precise, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, get paid to train. I, if I were going to go back in and be an employee, it needed to be the right money. It needed to be the right opportunity so that I could really, you know, have the right experience. And so that is why I went in and took the VP of operations role because what transpired was I even told them, look, I'm keeping some of my business on the books and some of these consulting things, they're still happening. I'm also maintaining all of my um, intellectual capital. I had a contract agreement saying all these policies and procedures, I own them. When they come here, I'll still be using them afterwards because it's a part of my building infrastructure for any company I would go to. And thank goodness, right? Because they went under. Um, but, but what it did for me is it allowed me to take that operations role because I was really almost running my own business inside her company. I ran a shared services function for five different companies for Myrtle. One was construction, one was steel manufacturing, one was real estate, one was investments, one was a nonprofit, and then the other one was a property management group here, Fort Lauderdale and in the Bahamas. Yes, loaded. Wow. So, so when, even when you're thinking about that, that really was Robert Kiyosaki, me getting paid to train. Yeah. It trained me to be able to realize, ooh, if I'm establishing the operations of any company, even though they're all different industries, quote unquote, she owns them, but they're all different industries, all the stuff is pretty much the same. Man, we were just taking policies and cloning them because it was like, we're not, we don't need to recreate anything new for almost all the way up to a, a major portion. And then, oh, okay, in construction, your workers' comp has to do this. The contracts look this way. Steel manufacturing, you know, the supply chain management and all those pieces, the operational function of that business is a little bit different. But the ground line infrastructure is the same. So right. that helped me learn about business in a different way that I hadn't had, like, ever. And when I came back out, now I could look at business and talk to people about business because we were dealing with, I was dealing with multiple different industries. I was also dealing with providing the foundation for them, which means, think about this, what insurances do they need? What liability issues are there? What kinds of contracts? How do you set up all the NDAs? How do you set up the, you know, actual, uh, you know, the incorporation documents? How do you set up all, all those things come into play where you're looking at the full facet of a business. And now I'm looking at the full facet of a business and it's multiple in different industries. So it helped me to think completely different about my own business. And I don't even need to be at that scale. Because I'm right. a small, I'm, you know, I'm a small company. So now when I'm doing trainings or when I'm, I have so much information to draw from because it was 
we were so fast, furious, and going crazy. I'd already staffed people. I already knew how to run an HR department, coming in and doing this. Now I know how to run an actual business and set up the operations for it. It's going to be easy for me to go in and tell somebody that has five employees that's one entrepreneur, here's the things you need to do. We hired a marketing company. We hired different people that have provided services. So I knew what it looked like to have services for different things because it wasn't right. my dime. Right now, Absolutely. yeah. So now, how do you scale that back and contain, take all that information and be able to whittle it, whittle it down and contain it, and then flip it so I can prioritize it? And what are the key things that I need or that are takeaways for an entrepreneur, a consultant, somebody that's running a small shop under twenty-five employees? How do I help them build or grow their business? And that's what kind of helped me to transition into learning um, and getting my own trainings. I've had a coach, I've been in masterminds to see how do you get online? How do I take my stuff to the next level? So it's a portion of experience, yeah. studying companies. Furiously, I study companies daily. I am a beast, a data, data beast. I am the beast of consuming data right. because I have to, I have to. Right. Um, and so the experience, you know, being coached, the experience of, of researching and gathering information and the yeah. actual experience of implementing that and seeing that in re in, into action. Those are the things that have helped me to create what I'm doing today and understanding and knowing what I do today. So when I am doing leadership trainings, when I am connecting and doing entrepreneurial trainings, I have enough of a basis and a background with connecting with so many people at different levels across so many different industries and that's important for me because that means I can relate to you. And if I can relate to you, I can break down the barrier and I can train or give you information so that it really actually hits you so that you can receive it and translate that into action. Brilliance. Absolute brilliance. Seriously. You are the systems expert. <laughs> I'm a are... Look, okay, that's my zone of genius. That's my zone. <laughs> I'm my favorite. <laughs> You are. You just broke it down. You broke it down in a way that it's it's understandable, it's clear, but we also know that you're passionate. Yeah. So the passion comes out. Oh, good. You've got a very systematic approach. I love what you said in relation to you would have done things differently if you knew. And here's the thing. Throughout your history, you gained this wisdom you gain the wisdom of what it's like to be an entrepreneur, what it means to come out of that gate and how you would do that a little bit differently in relation to how you structure your own company. But by getting the experience of working for that company, you were able to understand systems. You were able to understand organization. You were under, able to understand personality. And I say this from experience as well. And I'm going to bring a little bit of that into here. When I was doing nonprofit, working for a nonprofit, they would send me out to the various schools. And when they sent me out to these various schools, I would have to understand their systems, their personality. And every single one of these schools, you might think, oh, she's just going out to another school. But every single one of these schools had a different atmosphere, have had a different systematics approach. They had different personalities. You were dealing with principals, psychologists, teachers, you were dealing with all of these people. But here's the thing, and it correlates back to what you said, Tony, about setting that foundation, having a system in place or understanding systems where you could go into any one of those schools 
or any one of those organizations and say, here's the foundation. We have a foundation. Instead of foundation, here's how we build your system. Here's how we support that system better, better than what you have. And I like that you're doing that out in community. So let's talk about your consulting services. Let's talk about now that you've had to pivot a little bit like everybody else because of the pandemic, let's talk about your pandemic consulting services. Sure, sure. Um, I am actually just, I hate to say it and it's not, it's, I, I mean it in the best sense because it's helping people. What I was gonna say was, I'm having so much fun doing this because, you know, even though, it, and that's why I said it's not right to say you're having fun during a pandemic, but that's not what it really what I mean. What I mean is, as I'm having fun being able to actually bring this to life, knowing that people really need this help. Because when we talk about pandemic consulting, we're talking about, or the trainings that I'm delivering now, they're kind of a takeoff of what I trained before, which is how do you actually interview to hire the right kind of candidates for your business? How do you coach your people for optimal performance, for high performance inside an organization? Or how do you change and up-level your own leadership style so that you can lead better? So all those things are components into you, you producing better teams, better results, ability to collaborate, and ability to, to engage, those kinds of things. So when we now pivot and shift, I can't go in and do those things uh, live any longer. Now it's in this whole world of virtual, but also it's, okay, people still need those skills. They just need them with the right slant. So instead of, I'm just teaching you how to do behavioral interviewing and how, no, it's now let's interview based upon the lens of now you're doing it virtually. How do you hire or interview and really be able to bring in the right people from a virtual standpoint, people that you may never see personally, uh, that you're interviewing via Zoom or that you're actually dealing with them across borders, meaning of the state, maybe of the country, and now they're working remotely. How do you actually hire them and how do you onboard those folks? The second, from a leadership standpoint, and this is the biggest one. In fact, uh, coming up September 24th and 25th, uh, we will be doing, and I'm partnering with a two-time uh, chief marketing officer here in the Silicon Valley that's doing some major consulting work and used to run the global marketing arm of Intuit. He's still actually consulting back with them, but we are taking my program um, and we'll probably do some collaboration, but my program is all around how do you as a leader, how do you lead high performing virtual teams? And then the second component of that is how do you lead a high performing virtual and on-site teams in the age of COVID? Because you leading people right now virtually is not just about you leading and connected with somebody that's doing remote work. It is about someone that may have their kids at home because everything's shut down, that may have family at home. They're dealing with potential COVID, you know, cases of COVID issues and there's a depression. There's a, you know, the, there's a whole way that we're operating differently because we are sheltered in place and in the midst of a pandemic. Same thing with on-site. How are you leading people that are coming on-site? Now, maybe a company 10,000 or more, they have an HR department, they're doing all this stuff, but under 1,000 employees, under 500 employees, these people are just like, they're winging it and they're doing the best they can. But it doesn't mean it's as effective as it could be, knowing now that this is a new normal. This is a way that we're gonna be living for a long time. So now it's, when you bring them back on site, do you have tracing opportunity? Have you uh, set up the office properly? And I don't mean just, oh, you set up the office with your six, 
feet apart. And you know that really doesn't work, right? I mean, I know that they're saying that, but if the thing is airborne, you need to really be thinking about, you know, yes, are people masked? Are people doing this consistently? What, how are you using certain teams in certain areas of a building so that you can trace back if someone does get COVID, that it's contained to this core people and not exposing the entire company? How are you bringing them back with staggered shifts? And how are you dealing with the people that are afraid to come back? What are the flexible workplace programs that you're putting in place saying, okay, we need you here for certain things. Maybe it's coming in a few days a week for this piece or these pieces, and then you're working at home for the rest of the time and, and providing those options. So whether it's also communicating effectively and that strategic as well as tactic and consistent communication, whether it's doing their leadership training so that people can lead high-performing teams virtual or on-site, or whether it's putting together the key programs, right? Flexible workplace programs, even those people that think, oh, I'm in California, I'm making this great salary and I'm working from home, I'm just gonna go ahead and move to Denver or Texas. Right. Yes, well, I'll tell you what's gonna happen. When you move to Denver or Texas, we're gonna adjust your compensation for Texas and Denver you know, salary wages that we would normally pay in that state. You're not just gonna take your California you know, salary and live in Texas or live, right. live in Denver. And it's still a good adjustment anyway because the cost of living is so, but you know, people are thinking of how did they leverage this now that we all know whether you liked it or not. Yeah. People really can do work from home most people are finding that if they're good at it, they're more productive. They've got a lot of teams that are productive, really hitting it out of the park. Now it's the nuances of how do we collaborate better? When we used to do the war room together, how do we create that same synergy, those same collective ideas, creativity, and innovation in a virtual world? And that's where my pandemic consulting comes in so that you can do that. So brilliant. I love it. You have mentioned so many things that I have been thinking about lately and so many things that people need guidance with. So yes. you've mentioned the systems of it all, right? Behavior, mm -hmm. psychology, leadership, communication, the synergy, the energy in relation to how do you bring that synergy and that energy into, into a virtual classroom, into a virtual setting? Because Many times as I'm watching different things virtually, or maybe I'm involved in something, a seminar virtually, I'm like, how do we do a better job of bringing that energy back? Because let me give you an example. My husband works for the government. He gets to work from home. So that's a privilege, right? So being able to work from home. And the government, and, especially, oh my in, gosh. In the government. And he used to travel everywhere everywhere to do his job, fly everywhere across the country to do his job. Now you mentioned he feels more productive. He's a, he's somebody who works on timelines. He's somebody who works effectively autonomously. So how do you, when you have this whole workforce, how do you not necessarily micromanage people, but oversee them? How do you make sure that they're doing their job, that they have the skill set? to apply to this new, new work environment, as well as communicate how they're feeling, because every day for us, because this is new, is different. So one of the big things that I look at, especially in relation to behavior in this transition, are the transitional skills, is the mindset, because every day is different. We might feel good one day, but if it's been 10 days that we've been in the house and we haven't gotten out, somebody may start depressing. So how do you 
kind of boost that that energy and that synergy with a group of people with that individual so there's so many aspects of things that you can do that you're providing here with pandemic consulting services you're right on point thank you and it is really good to be able to help people right where they are um, and you brought up a really great point and one of the um, facets of the leading high performing virtual teams is about empowering inspiring and motivating people while still holding them accountable how do you actually put some of the right systems because it is a system at some point it is yes. what tool do you use to actually collaborate as a team so that they're all the intellectual capital no matter what happens to an individual you cannot lose data in this world so if you don't have a system capturing it on a consistent basis where everybody's working in like microsoft team um, to or some people are using google platform and that's not always necessarily secure so you really want to maintain your, your intellectual capital in-house but when you do utilize a system it's making sure everybody's actually collaborating and getting in and on that system and leaving their work and things like that on their system so that not only they, that they can work together but that you have no idea like you just said someone to tomorrow their child this happened and they've got to stop somebody you know basically contracted COVID and all you cannot lose continuity with doing business and lose the contract or the momentum of a project yes. as a result of one team player going down. So how do you maintain business continuity? But like you said, I can't micromanage and I'm not on the phone with you all day long. I need to make sure that there are mechanisms in place where, yes, I can connect with people more on a you know, consistent basis, not having Zoom meetings just for not. How do we make construct more meetings, not more meetings, fewer meetings that have more value and more meaning to get better results, but then continue to have some of that individual communication that really is still supportive and being empathetic to, to understand where people are and what's going on with them in this space. And that just really is, you know, we've talked about parenting when we were talking about leadership on-site in inside companies, because if you have four kids, if you have 10 kids, if you have 30 kids, you cannot treat them all the same. There's gonna be people that process information differently, approach things differently, think differently, and viva la difference. You need to be able to recognize that, that and embrace that you're telling, you're, 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 you're leading people maybe in the same space, in the same state, across state borders, across global borders, across different cultures, across different socioeconomic backgrounds, and across racial lines, which means from a cultural standpoint, a gender orientation standpoint, all those things come into play in regards to how you connect and communicate with people. So building our emotional intelligence, being able to truly connect with your people and empower them. And now we're becoming what I call and what one of our sessions is, it's leadership everywhere. Because all of us now need to really be leaders inside our company you at home you have a chance just as much as i do to come up with new ideas because this is new for everybody being right. able to lead and recognize your value if you don't value what you do sitting at that space you need to be concerned because we're all expendable right now and if the business doesn't survive my job doesn't survive and neither does yours so this is a different way of looking at oh my gosh, I really need to do my part and take more ownership and empowering your people to do that and speaking and connecting with them in a way that they can really receive it, but also that you can still get work done and still continue to move the needle in the business and in people's lives and in your own life, you know, as you're leading and managing in this space. Again, you've mentioned so many things that are so right on point. 
But I do want to point out here as well that from a clinical perspective, when I think about these things, one of the biggest things for me is coping mechanisms and transitional skills. Mm -hmm. And many times we find people saying, yes, I can cope through this, or I can work through this, but they may not have the skill set. They may not have those skills or have never learned what that looks like, those skills, or what that looks like utilizing those skills. So mm -hmm. sometimes it's as simple as spoon feeding people. Here are some of the skills. Here's how to use them. Here's how to recognize them. Here's how to, because if they don't know, they don't know what they don't know, right? So, so sometimes it's as simple as I'm going to show you, let's talk about the skill set and these, this, how you can transition more effectively by using these skills. Right. So, I think that's really important because I think that sometimes I see a lot of these posts on social media about, man, people are going out of their minds. They're going crazy. It's really about how do people cope effectively through change? How do they perceive change? How do they respond to change? Can they compartmentalize based on their own emotions and what's happening around them? And then mm -hmm. how do they apply those skills to back into their, their families, back into their business, back into the company? So sometimes it's like you said, understanding human behavior, understanding, you know, upping our emotional intelligence game. So yeah. thank you for all of that because you've tapped into some really important things. Couple last questions that I want to ask you. Let's talk about your best selling book. Oh gosh, it's a book, you know, it's a book and it's from years ago. It is a book from a time ago, but I just did a chapter. To me, it is different to do a chapter inside someone else's book than it is to actually create your own book. You know, so I did um, at that time, the name of my chapter is you're one connection away from your dream job. You know, in HR and especially when you're consulting, you're still being able to make that match between a leader, between an organization and between a person. And sometimes there's people that have such a disconnect. So that was one of the things I chose to do that was also good um, for the actual theme of the book. The gentleman's name um, who is authored the book basically created the entire framework of it is Marlon Smith. And the book is called Voices of Inspiration. Yeah. So if you go into Amazon right now, it's called Voices of Inspiration. Now, the thing about being a number one bestselling author is you get to say you're a number one bestselling author, whether you did a chapter in the book or the book. Right. Here's, here, and so that particular book was, and you know me, you're just listening to me right now. I am just a trainer by nature. So I'm always going to give you, it's a short read, but it's, here's some of the practical steps of what it takes and it does tell my story again you know you want to become an attorney this is what i did this is how you do it these are some of the things that you need to do and those things are still real today as much as they were you know almost a decade ago i think this was like in 2012 13 14 something like that uh, maybe 2015 but anyway they're still as true as now today as they were yesterday but that's not that is not and now i now knowing what i know now the next book that I create or a series of books actually that I create will do just that. That was a great experience for me to see. Here's how you not only do this, here's what it takes to become a number one best-selling author because it took the team of all of us to actually bring the book to number one best-selling author. But how do you actually leverage that as here's a giveaway for people to have an interest 
audience into your work, to your platform and into your world. And then they consume that and now they're coming into my space and now they really get so much more because they can actually sign up for a program. They can connect with me and get work. So that book was the one connection away from your dream job. And I still do that work, but it's not as huge or not a, as a big part of my business as it is the leadership as well as the entrepreneurs that I work with. Where it does come into play is the entrepreneurs that I work with, with Pivot to Profit Secrets, helping them take their, you know, an expert, a speaker, an author, helping them to be able to say, okay, how do you take your program now? How do you develop it more effectively, digitize it, and deliver it in an online space? Writing a book is a portion of that because easily you can take a bestseller, you can take whatever your book is, even if it's not a bestseller, and now you're upselling them into a program now that you can deliver virtually or that they can get online. And that's how I leverage the book. So it's not just the book for book expertise itself. And you know, so many people think that from back in the day because they're New York bestselling author. Do you know how many New York bestselling authors are broke and never made a, you know, hardly made a dime or definitely didn't make a living? because you've got to sell 50,000 of a $12 and 97 cent book. That's not where the business is, right? The business is, is the credibility and respect you can gain from creating and authoring a book and being able to leverage that as an entrance into all of the other things that you do, letting people get to know you at that space so that they can do that. And, and that still is there. And, and I'll probably go in and take that uh, actual chapter and put it in an opt-in page so people can download it for free and, and they can just enjoy, hey, even my entrepreneurs, I still teach them LinkedIn stuff because you still need to be able to have that presence online. How do you create the right profile? How do you, what does that look like in regards to your experience? And so you're one connection away from your dream job or even that dream client if you position yourself well, especially in this space. Absolutely. And thank you for that explanation of your book, um, the chapter of the book, uh, because as you said, you wrote something that still applies today. It's a human interest story. It's, a, it's got practical steps that still apply today. It's how you apply those steps in a different concept or construct. Yeah. So, and again, it's about that transition. It's about that pivot. It's about human behavior. Can you transition? And sometimes it gets down to the base of human, human functioning, where can you transition? What are your coping skills? What does that look like? How do you apply those skills in a new way, so to speak, that you still possess those skills? So absolutely. my last question for you is, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? I think there will be two things, especially from a few things that we just have been discussing, which is people's coping mechanisms. And I think a portion of that is you learning how to actually navigate in this space. And one of the productivity hacks I do is allowing myself to recognize that time is different in this space when I'm here, you know, by myself sheltered in place. Time is being played out differently because we usually have those parameters of you're going out, you're going to meeting, there's all these things going on in there and you're, you're, you're doing the commute and you're coming home and now time is fluid and it goes longer. So how do you maintain productivity? And one of the things that is a takeaway people can use because I use it every day to help me cope and do a better job is what I call a power hour or what is called a power hour. And I usually try to do power hour squared, which is 50 minutes all flat out on a particular project I'm working on, whatever activities, 
take 10 minutes break, not 10 minutes to do email, not 10 minutes to do any of that. I may take 10 minutes, put some laundry in the wash, you know, uh, wipe down the bathroom or do a little, you know, bit of this or that, and then come back and put another 50 minutes in. Now I recognize sometimes that wasn't working for me because I was feeling my own emotional things with what's going on. Now what I do to step away from my office is I turn on the oven timer for 50 minutes because it makes me get up and move my body. And many times I'll exercise for 10 minutes. Let me walk up and down, let me stretch, let me go outside, let me shift, because that increases and helps you stay productive because now you're actually managing that time a little bit more effectively. The second thing or word of wisdom that is a, that's a practical application, that's practical that people can walk away with is this. You are no longer running a sprint, right? Beginning of the pandemic, we thought, ooh, a sprint could just be one lap around the track, right? That is also a sprint. Yes. We ran the full lap around the track. People were operating off of adrenaline and they were going thinking this is going to be over real quick and that's great. But then at the end of the actual sprint, they were told, ah, you know what? This is actually going to be lasting for a lot longer. In fact, this is going to be a new way of life. Now we're running a marathon. People right now are in a space where they were cool before, but now they're like, oh my gosh, you're seeing less engagement, a disengagement, you know, virtual Zooms and everything. Things are just like going like this because people are now recognizing I'm running a marathon. I would have trained completely different for this. I had to think completely different than this. And this is an adjustment. How do I do this now? So what I do say to you, the walk away for that is, You've got to start doing a little bit of homework and saying, how do I prepare myself? What do I need online for myself, whether I'm a professional or I'm in business? Because if you're not online, you're not going to be found in this new, uh, new America 2.0, I call it. How do you look at emerging markets of where things are going? What are the essential businesses that are going to be needed, whether it's janitorial services, whether it's, uh, you know, the, how are they operating with the food services? What are the, you know, financial services industry? What are the industries that are being projected to actually be doing well? Do you need to become an affiliate of something? Do you need to actually start consuming food and things like that where you are doing multiple streams or getting multiple streams of revenue in instead of just being in one place? How do you look at what you're going to do in the future different based upon the direction of where the country is going and you need to do a little homework to make that happen but then shift your buying patterns so that you get revenue or people in your community and family get revenue from that because now it's the old school it really does take a village we all have to support each other or even you know let me go into my own link for amazon so that i can get some commission off of all the sales that i'm getting ready to make instead of somebody else's because i'm consuming um, so those things make you think different but need to make you approach how you're doing and what you're going to do differently for the future. Well, such wise words. Thank you, Tony, for joining me on the core women podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. This was great. Absolutely. If you would like to connect with Tony Navy and that's with an I, you can connect with her on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and at TonyNavy.com. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at infocorewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women Home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. 
If you write about core women in your social media posts, please hashtag core women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about core women and please stay tuned for continued growth of the core women movement. Let's grow and drive change together.